um, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you so that you could be connected with us. Have you ever felt totally disconnected with people? And I suspect most of you will be able to share uh, some of these these kind of views. Have you ever lost your mobile phone? What about your house phone? Have you ever been disconnected by mistake, deliberately? And what about your broadband? Has it ever gone down? The dreadful thing is that people are sending you emails and you're not replying, so everyone thinks you're rude and you don't know who they are. (laughs) It's dire, isn't it? It's, It's truly dreadful. Life cannot go on until connections are re established. And I can think of times, I can think of one or two times, I've been sitting at home and I'm thinking, this is hopeless, this is dreadful. And I prayed for my broadband. That, it, that we can get, that we can get connected, and I spent <clears throat> then spent two or three hours on the phone to various countries in the world trying to get this broadband going, and it just it drives you absolutely mad, doesn't it? Have you ever felt like this poor lady here? Would you like to be a really effective Christian? When I listened to uh, Jenny's sermon on choosing life uh, two, week, two weeks ago, I thought, <clears throat> I thought, yes, I want to be a really effective Christian. I don't want to be mediocre uh, in my Christian life. But how can I be a really effective Christian? Would you like our church to be a really effective church? And I think you know, many of us would echo a yes to that, wouldn't we? But what is a really effective church? Would we love our church to be full for each of our services? Absolutely packed out. I think the answer, I think we'd love to say yes to that, wouldn't we? 
But would that make us effective? Would you love our church to have no financial challenges? And this is a little message for Alwyn here. I know Alwyn would say yes to that. But would that be a sign that we were truly effective as a church? You'll, you, you got <clears throat> a copy of PCC Matters in your, uh, in your kind of folder this morning. And <clears throat> the PCC last week um, voted to look into installing a number of solar panels on this south-facing roof here. And we, look, we voted to kind of look into that possibility. That would mean a carbon saving of around six tonnes a year. A sign that the, Lord is, that, that the church is committed to looking after God's creation. It could also help the church finances. So I'm actually quite excited about that possibility. But would success there, would a, a long array of solar panels mean we were truly an effective church? Well, I'm sure we all have different ideas uh, as to what a really effective church might be. Let's look at Jesus' example uh, for a minute. And do have Mark chapter 1 open in front of you if you can. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and um, because we'll be kind of looking at, looking at that uh, a bit. Has anyone got a page number? So I meant to get a page number before I started, actually. If someone could shout a page number out, Mark chapter 1, uh, that'd be great. 931. 931, thank you. Although having said that, there'll be some church Bibles which have not got 931. <laughs> 1002, 931 or 1002. Let's look at Jesus' example. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus had grown up in Nazareth, and you can see the little red pointer there, Nazareth. Um, and he lived there for the first 30 years uh, of his life. He'd be, he was baptised by John the Baptist, and you see that uh, in verses 9 and 10. And after being baptised, Jesus goes out into the desert, um, perhaps uh, in that area... Oops. Sorry. He goes out into the desert, perhaps in that area down there, um, and, and he's tempted uh, by Satan, Satan. And then we read that Jesus comes back uh, to the Galilee region, and he preaches and he calls the first of his disciples. And he comes back to that little town of Capernaum there. And what was Jesus' message? What was Jesus' message uh, in Capernaum? And we read this uh, in verse 14. It says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. What was Jesus' message? His message was get connected. Get connected, repent and believe the good news. And that's Jesus' first uh, message to us this morning. There is a better life, Jesus says, on offer to you. Turn your backs on your previous ways of life, your wrongdoings, and believe in Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will come into your life and live within you, and you will be connected. Is this a message for some of us here this morning? Repent and believe. Get connected. Anyway, Jesus came to Capernaum, uh, and, it was, and it was a town uh, that Jesus probably knew very well indeed, because he, he, did, he grew up not too far distant. And they probably knew him well as well as the son of Joseph the carpenter. And in verse 22 we read that the, the people were amazed at his teaching. 
They were amazed at his teaching um, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And they noted that he gave orders, verse 27, even to the evil spirits, and they obeyed. News about him spread quickly over the whole Galilee region. Jesus was rapidly becoming famous. And on the Sabbath he'd been preaching, and after that we read that he went uh, to the home uh, of Simon, Simon Andrew. Simon was, ma- was married, uh, and his wife's mother uh, was, was ill. And Jesus took her, and Jesus, Jesus took her hand, and he helped her, and she, and she became better straight away. And later, after sunset, uh, we read that uh, everybody else, the whole town, it says, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, etc., uh, etc. Et so, Jesus was rapidly uh, becoming famous. He was becoming well-known, and he was developing a huge following. He was an authoritative preacher. He was developing a huge healing ministry. Just imagine that today. And even evil, evil spirits were no match for him. Nothing was. Things were really developing. And people must have thought, you know, people must have thought, what next? How are things going to develop? This man's ministry could become truly effective and change the whole Galilee church structure. Putting today's language. Capernaum could be placed on the Israelite map as a great revival church. What's going to happen next? Well, read on with me a little bit. Look at verse 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. Uh, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, because Jesus went up to pray. Even Jesus needed to pray to ensure that his mind was totally tied in with the will of God. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, because they, because they want you to come back and, leave, and carry on from where you left off. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, let's go. Let's go, let's go somewhere else. No, I'm not going to come with you. I'm not, I'm not going to come back to Capernaum. Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. For the reason I've come is to preach the good news. What were Jesus' priorities? Where were Jesus' priorities? Well, the first priority was to be totally in tune with his Father, to stay connected with his Father. Despite a, Jesus had a hugely busy schedule, but he, was, he wanted to stay in tune with his Father God. And that's a real challenge, isn't it, uh, to us? I remember the great, the great missionary, Hudson Taylor. I remember reading his biography first when I was young, when I was a teenager. And um, he was the founder of the China uh, Inland Mission. And when once asked the secret of his hugely effective ministry, he said that the busier he was, the more time he needed to spend in prayer. Jesus' first priority was to spend time with his father. And... <clears throat> This is a message for us, isn't it? 
yes, we are, the, our challenge is to get connected uh, in the first place, but then the challenge is to make it a priority to spend time with God, to stay connected uh, with God. The Apostle Paul learnt a few lessons in his life, um, and <clears throat> this is a, a diagram of his second missionary journey. On his first missionary journey with Barnabas, he'd had a great ministry, and he really wanted to consolidate it uh, then uh, by uh, going north. <clears throat> and I'll just, just turn, I'm just going to turn to Acts 16, don't, don't follow with me. Um, but if you look there, uh, this is his second mission journey, he, he went along around through there. He, his aim, he, he kept on wanting to go north, he wants to go to Asia. But, re- listen, re- listen to what I say. Paul and his companions, Acts 16 verse 6, Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia uh, and Galatia. Phrygia there, Galatia there. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. He was told, he was basically, he kept on wanting to go north, but no, that was not. He was kept by the Holy Spirit from going. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus, would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and came to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul wanted, <clears throat> he was keen uh, to go north on a couple of occasions, but God wouldn't allow him. That wasn't God's plan. It was a good plan, but it wasn't God's plan. Paul wanted, more than anything else, to be effective for God. But then he changed his plans, didn't he? He followed uh, God's leading. He realised the closed doors as, as well as the open doors. And that is a bit of a... That's perhaps relevant to us. Do we sometimes, do we, we need to realise the closed doors as well as the open doors. We need to pray, pray to God that we will see the closed doors as well as the open doors. Some of our ideas will actually not, not be ones that we should follow. Come back to Jesus in Mark. Come back to Jesus in Mark. He knew, Jesus knew his father's will and onward he went to other villages in Galilee. His connections with the Father were strong and he invested time in keeping them. Jesus focused on the best plan, not just a good plan. And he did know the difference because he was totally one with the Father. When Tim was preaching last week, I was also challenged about two other connections that Jesus had and that we can have. Jesus invested time in looking after his companions. And uh, we read that he, when he left the synagogue uh, in verse 29 of Mark, he went to Simon, Simon Andrew's house. And there he, he, um, he healed Simon, Simon Andrew's, Andrew, Simon's mother-in-law. And that was good. Jesus invested time in looking after his companions. He was connected with that group of disciples. And he preached the good news. He, was, he, was, he wanted to be hugely connected with those who did not know um, him, uh, did not know God uh, as yet. 
Yes, Jesus could have stayed in Capernaum and developed that massive North Galilee church, but no, he wanted to move around so that lots of people who might not otherwise hear could hear uh, the good news. What's the message of Jesus' example to you and me this morning? The first is, the first is, get connected. The first is, get connected. Jesus loves you. He died for you. We, wrote, we sang, my soul is purchased with his blood. Jesus came to earth as a baby at Christmas with the, soul, with the aim of living and dying so that yours and my wrongdoings could be taken on the cross. He would love you to believe in him and invite you into his life as that picture shows, that picture called the light of the world. That picture was actually uh, painted as a result of a letter to Christians uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, Christians who were not, who were so-called lukewarm in their faith, says the Bible. And they were challenged to open the door to Jesus. Uh, and if any man opened the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. They were challenged. So it's a message for those who don't know the Lord as yet, and for those who know the Lord, let's open the door to Jesus. Get connected. The second is get, be effective, stay connected. Learn to recognise the closed doors and the open doors. And you know, this is hugely relevant to the small things of life every day, as well as the big things. Think about the small things. What do you do each day? We go to work, perhaps. We go to the supermarket. We're perhaps at home. We perhaps go to school. What you say has huge impact on other people. As a teacher, if you congratulate or encourage a child. As a, work, as a council worker, if you're friendly and helpful on the phone. So, so many of us, you, you, if you have a bit of time at home, you phone up, uh, you, you've got a few business calls to make. The attitude of that person on the end of the phone, it kind of cheers you up or takes you down. If you're that person, you can be a blessing in that job. If you're on the pastoral care team and you affirm someone who's feeling low. If you're a doctor, if you give someone hope. If you're at school in year 11 and you talk to someone in year 9 and you encourage them, that actually, they'll remember that. They'll remember that. I was talking to someone <clears throat> last night who was, in, who, who was encouraged by his mentor um, who was a teacher, and he was encouraged by his mentor um, to uh, kind of by, by the fact that this person, whenever he met him in the supermarket, always remembered him. What's more, remembered the conversation the previous year when he met him in the supermarket the previous year. Isn't that good? And that's and that's <clears throat> that person goes to Christchurch, and that's a that's a that's a blessing, um, a blessing and a, and a kind of mark of care that that person perceived. These small things, or so-called small things, make a big impact. I would encourage you all to pray that prayer. Help me, Lord, to see each person I meet today as someone you love and someone you died for. 
Someone said to me last week, if we look at someone with human eyes, we see their faults. If we look at them with God's eyes, we see the good things. Be effective. Stay connected. Then the big decisions of life. The movement on from Capernaum to the other villages that Jesus did. Where are we going as a church? You'll see in the PCC matters again that we're aiming to evaluate where we're going as a church. And if I went round now asking where we should be going, there'd be lots of ideas. Some of them will be doors that God will close. Some of them will be doors that God will open. We need to pray those through. Let us, like Paul, have the humility to recognise that God will say no to some of our fantastic ideas as well as yes to others. Are you someone who has lots of ideas? That's great, that's great. Some of them will be good, some of them not. Let me share another challenge with you, which I think I've been been challenged about the last um, few weeks, and may be relevant to you. I think it perhaps is relevant a little bit to each of us. Exodus chapter 15. Israel had just just just, um, come out of Egypt. They've come across the Red Sea, The uh, Red Sea has been kind of separated, um, separated in front of them, and they come through on dry land. The Egyptians who've been chasing them and who wanted to, uh, who wanted to kind of destroy them, they had been uh, defeated. And in Exodus 15, we read, we we have Moses' song. Moses' song and then his sister Miriam also sang. In the kind of verse 21, we, Miriam sang, sing to the Lord for he's highly Exalted, a great song of praise to God. But then we read, then we read <clears throat> that Moses led Israel on. For three days they travelled, verse 22, in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they couldn't drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled, saying, what are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to God and God showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Where am I going, you might think. (laughs) Then, a few verses later, it says, they came to Elim, when there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Wouldn't you like to go there for a holiday? Um, 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So they had a wonderful time in Elim. And at the beginning of the next chapter, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim, and they came to the desert of Sin, And in the desert, the whole community grumbled. I wonder. The Israelites were very much up and down, weren't they? Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're going to have an easy time necessarily. But are we up and down Christians? When things are going well, do we praise God? But what about when things are difficult? Do we grumble or are we maintaining constant contact with our Lord? I think I'm quite challenged by this because I mean, some of you have had viral infections over Christmas and, and um, I've had a bit of a viral infection over Christmas and I'm just aware that sometimes I've gone into work feeling not wonderful. Does that show? Am I still in, what about those who work with me? <clears throat> Am I still encouraging to them or do I draw them down? with me. It's challenging, isn't it? Challenging. Philippians 1, 
which um, Tim was, was speaking about last week, I was challenged about one verse specifically, um, verse, verse 7. And it's in where Paul says, <clears throat> whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And I get the feeling that Paul was, was not so up and down. When he was in chains, he was um, being used for God. He was still effective for God. It's easy to beat ourselves up though, isn't it? But just to balance that, let me read uh, 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 12, verse 7, where Paul talks about a problem that he had in his life, so-called his thorn uh, in the flesh. He says, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul felt he'd be much more effective if that thorn, whether it may have been a stammer or it may have been some other physical problem he had, he thought he'd be much more effective if that thorn had been removed. But this is not God's will. It's our being connected with God that makes us effective, not being a fantastic personality who's then connected with God. Alright? That's the difference, isn't it? It's our being connected with God that makes us effective. But I do believe we need to strive to maintain that connection. So, the message for us, be effective, get connected. Be effective, stay connected. Help me, Lord, to see each person I meet today as someone you love. Learn to recognise the closed and open doors in humility and the best, not just the good plans. And be effective, stay connected in the good times and the difficult times. Be effective and connect with God's people in our groups as we work out the, and evaluate the church's plans over the next few months. Be effective and connect with those who don't know our Lord. Then the power, the power for all this, as we've already referred to, to him, the, the last verse of that little book called Jude, which we actually studied in one of the, <coughs> uh, in one of the evening uh, services recently. To him who is able to keep you from falling, here, this is the source of the power, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy in the future. To the only God, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, who died be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.